God wanted his name to be exalted above all the names in all of the universe. In fact, in Philippians 2.11, Paul said one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess the name of Jesus that he is Lord. Is our culture addicted to cursing God's name? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. In sporting events, feature movies, even in news coverage of our government leaders, it seems our culture is systemically taking God's name in vain. So what does this say about the soul of our society? Here's David with part two of his message simply called Profanity. Don't use the Lord God's name in vain. Call upon the name of Jesus to help you. Secondly, don't minimize awful eternal realities. Don't trivialize eternal truths. Therefore, when you use GD casually, when you use the H word casually, you're basically trivializing those awful, terrible realities. Now, if hell doesn't exist, I've wasted my life. Or if we all get to heaven, I'll apologize to the Lord God and you immediately. But folks, the problem with the teaching of hell, as I shared with you several weeks ago, if you want a greater in-depth teaching about it, is that Jesus is the one who taught us most about it. He is the one who gives us the most insights about the reality of hell. So if we say GD and hell in coarse, commonplace language, we're basically trivializing the reality of God damning some people to hell. And it mutes, it makes impotent the power of the gospel, especially from the lips of those of us who follow Jesus. Calvin Coolidge, the president of the United States years ago, was in a cabinet meeting one time, and one of his members of his cabinet got so angry at another member of the cabinet, he just looked at him and furiously said, you can just go to hell. And the other member of the cabinet looked at President Coolidge and purportedly said, did, did you just hear that? And Coolidge nodded, yes. Well, well, what do you have to say about it? And Coolidge calmly responded to him, you don't have to go. Dear friends, hell is a terrible reality taught by God in his word. It is the natural consequence of a person who continually denies the reality of salvation through Jesus. There must be an eternal place then where he quarantines those who have continually rejected him. I didn't come up with the teaching, guys. Jesus did. And if it's true, I am sworn by the Lord God Almighty to preach this truth. But as I do so, please hear from me. You don't have to go. That's why Jesus came. God in his holiness was offended by our sin. He had to judge it and pour out his wrath upon it. But he so loved us also, he became a human being in Jesus. This baby in a manger, God in human flesh, who grew up and lived 33 years righteously under the law, which you and I can't do because we're filled with sin even at the moment of conception in our, moment, in our mama's wombs. God bypassed that with Jesus. He conceived him in a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this perfect God-man lived the perfect life we can't live. And then he went to the cross and shed his blood instead of our blood being shed. He took the penalty of sin upon himself so that we wouldn't have to. 
the wrath of God poured out on his son instead of us. And now we can have a relationship with God. No, before he could not enter our godless, selfish, dirty human hearts, but now they've been washed clean by the blood of the lamb, receiving forgiveness by grace through faith, not of our works, because none of us can work well enough, long enough, hard enough to be acceptable before a holy God. And by grace through faith, we have received now the presence of God in the form of the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And not only is our eternity secure, but now we live lives that are different than the filthiness that is around us. We are holy. We're different. And the first thing that should be affected by the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives is our tongues. It's clean lips. So don't minimize awful eternal realities. Every time you casually say GD and H or D, whatever it might be, you're, you're trivializing terrible truths. Thirdly, begin to form a beautiful theology of the body. I'm going to talk more about this in next week's message, Human Sexuality. But I think so much of our theology needs to begin with a right understanding of the beauty of the physical body. In our mama's wombs, God knit together with sinew and muscle and joints and nerve systems and a heart and blood vessels, a body interconnected in a magnificent way. That every atom that pulsates through our veins is like a human factory in a city in America of 100,000 people or more. It's an incredible instrument. And God says, I'm giving it to you as a sacred gift, not to be used as a vulgar instrument, but as something sacred in the world. So therefore, whenever you use the P-I-S-S word, the, the S-H-I-T word, you're talking about the uncleanliness of the human body. All of us work hard to keep our outward physical bodies clean. We put soap on it. We wash it. We put deodorant on it, not to be offensive to other people. We, we want our bodies to be clean. Why then use words that express uncleanliness? Even the S word, the S-U-C-K, We've had to work some on that with our kids, even. For those of you who don't know where that comes from, just think a little bit. And of course, the F-bomb. The F-bomb is taking the most sacred gift that God has given us. The ability to be co-creators with the God of this universe in producing future life. And also, every time we have that interaction with our spouse, our, our loved one, our beloved we're saying to that person, once again, I'm yours forever. I'm in a permanent commitment with you. Do you see how something sacred has become debased? And that's what profanity is. So every time we say the F word so casually, we're taking this gift of sex and trivializing it, along with all the other body parts that we're using. You know, to continue to say P-I-S-S -S and you know, all those other words, S-H-I-T, <laughs> saying those words is like walking around with a body that doesn't have deodorant on. 
It's expressing uncleanliness in our hearts to other people. Two final thoughts. For those of us who follow Jesus, it's said in Leviticus, it's restated in 1 Peter, be holy as I am holy. So be holy. Your body is sacred. Live as a sacred human being in the highest calling of God. Why have we forgotten the last fruit of the Holy Spirit? For those of you who know it, it's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and the one we continually forget is what? Who knows? Self-control. I said this with alcohol a couple weeks ago. The Bible doesn't say you can't drink. It does say don't get drunk. Where's that line of self-control for the followers of Jesus? with our mouths, saying, I'm better than that. I'm better than that. I don't have to use those vulgar words when I'm a sacred person after the heart of God. It might even hint at what we call feigned cussing. You know what that is? That's when you choose a dad gum or a darn or whatever to try to substitute for what you really want to say. You know, and people ask me about that. Here's my answer. We should be better than that. Let's think even a different word. Why can't we? And when we express profanity, in my opinion, if our words are connected to our hearts, it shows a divided heart. Where some of you are who say you're Christ followers, you've got one foot on the dock and one foot in the canoe. You've got one foot in the world and one foot in Christ's kingdom. And for anybody who's tried to get into a canoe, you know you can't stay long in those two positions. You can't. At some point, you've got to put your feet on one side or the other. What's going on with your heart? Look at your words. And you can control your words by thinking better. Whatever's pure and honorable and just and excellent, etc., think on these things. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Before you speak, think. And let sacred words follow your thoughts. You're better than that. You don't have to be so slothful and lazy with your language. You're better than that. And secondly, be salt. Not only be holy, but be salt and light in the world. William Wilberforce transformed the whole nation of England because he took a strong stand against colonial slavery. And he changed the whole impact of Britain's view towards slavery by his parliamentary insistence that it was wrong. For over 30 years, he fought against slave trade. Finally, on his deathbed, he received the word that slave trade had ceased in England. That's a great story. Most people know that one. What they don't know is along with that, he felt like there needed to be a reformation of manners in England. Not only did that include the abolition of slavery, it included proper civility and manners, particularly the use of profanity. And William Wilberforce dramatically changed the entire English society's way they spoke by his insistence in his writings that we become a civil people who aren't profane with our language. He was salt and he was light. You can be too. Parents, begin in the family. 
Teach your children how to speak rightly. Many studies have been done now. Kids are now cursing before they know the alphabet. From where are they learning that? Well, certainly among peers, but also among parents. Parents, if you are profane, your children will be profane. And remember, kids don't do what you say. They do what you do. They're emulators of how you live. So begin in the family. Now, we haven't been successful totally. One time our Michael, who, when he was a little kid, came home and was irritated about something, and he just yelled out, crap. Now, now that word comes from John Crapper, who formed the first porta potty Got it? That's from where the word comes, okay? So Michael said, crap. And I said, Michael, you're a preacher's kid. You can do better than that. He said, well, okay. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, those of you who think Meryl and I are perfect parents, have a perfect marriage, not true, okay? So we've had to teach our kids too. No, 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 no. That, that's the way the world talks. We, we, we don't talk like that because we're not profane. And I believe if you're salt and light, folks, you can make a difference, whether you know it or not. In traveling back up to Chapel Hill and being a part of my teammates was a real joy. And um, you know, when I was there, I was a good kid. I, did, I committed not to indulge in alcohol and smoke marijuana and, and get into the sex scene like many of my teammates were. I'd go to the parties. I went. I was there. But I always stood for my higher calling. And I always wondered whether they accepted me or not. I didn't know. I was most often the designated driver. But I was there, and I loved my teammates, even though I didn't approve of what they did. Well, here I am some decades later, and I'm walking into the motel with Marilyn, and there's one of my old teammates outside, <laughs> pulling on a drag on his cigarette. And I'm getting ready to walk in. I say, hey, how you doing? He said, hey, good to see you again, Dave. He said, there's a party tonight. Want to go? I said, no, no thanks. I'm going to be with my wife. That's okay. I said, but I did go. When I was here, I did go. He said, we know. Then he said something, people I'll never forget. He said, Dave, we did respect you. Please know that. We did respect you. So you may not think you're making a difference, but you are. As a Christ follower, make sure your language is sacred, not debased, not vulgar, not in the gutter. Dear Christians, and you who aren't Christians, you can do better than that. Our culture doesn't have to be so coarse. Let it begin with us. And I'd like to read with you some verses that I put together that conclude this message. First of all, from Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 20, let me ask you to read it with me. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what's Jesus saying here is the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees was based on the law. They tried so hard to be holy unto God, but they were hypocrites in so many ways. And Jesus said, you who follow me, who have had a heart change, your righteousness should exceed the scribes and Pharisees because your motivation is not law, it's grace. 
and forgiveness and love. Psalm 141, verse 3, a good one to memorize. Read it with me, please. Set guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Wow. I dare you to pray that one. In James chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, read it with me. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? A salt pond cannot yield cannot yield clean water. If your heart is filled with the holy love of God, your mouth will bring forth praise, thanksgiving, gratitude, encouragement, edification, things that give life and not death. Things that lift up the sacred and not cause it to be debased. So now as we enter into a time of praise, may the words that come forth from your mouth in singing reflect what's in your heart. And please come to grips with what's in your heart. Because the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. What lesson can we all learn from dogs that chase cars? Coming up, David and I dig into one of his most popular Davidisms. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen. And that kind of grew into the Dream Center and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened. Um, with the meals as they've gone out, you know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Tom Westboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals. And, and we just thank you, Moments of Hope, and just this couldn't be, this wouldn't be possible without you guys. And, you know, uh, the, the first call we made uh, when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope. And it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes. And so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um, everything you all do for us and for the kingdom. And not only that, but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the Dream Center now. This week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up, all the meals were shipped to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope. And we just pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much.
Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. It's great being with you, Jen, as well. Well, David, in one of your morning e-devotions, you recently brought up a point that you say, dogs only bark at moving cars. What do you mean by this? Well, this was something, Jen, my dad used to say all the time because he believed that when people started to dream a dream, it invites critics to come and start criticizing them. So he would say to me all the time, son, remember, dogs only bark at moving cars. Now, here's what he's trying to say. Mm. Have you ever noticed this fact? that dogs don't go up and bark at cars that are parked. (laughs) I mean, they just don't do that. Never. Uh, They only bark at cars that are moving. And here's the lesson. It's only when you try to do something important with your life that people start criticizing you. That's a fact. If you're lazy, if you make no effort, if you never try anything new, if you just sit on your rear end all day long and never are trying anything different in your life, no one says anything, silence, Mm -hmm. crickets. But God wants us to dream big dreams for him and his glory. He wants us to move forward in life and not stay still, to accomplish great things for him and his kingdom, to work for something so big that only God can do it so that in the end, God gets the credit for what's been accomplished. Mm -hmm. And in the process to ignore what critics say, When we seek God's kingdom first and seek his will for our lives, we please the very one who has given us our dreams. That's Matthew 6, 33, when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will fall in line. Our job is to please Jesus and him alone. Our job is to work for his kingdom and his kingdom alone. Therefore, listeners, all of us today, keep moving forward for the sake of the kingdom of God. Keep pursuing the dreams that God has laid on your heart. And always remember, keep giving God the glory when those dreams are accomplished for It's only he who has been able to give you the strength for you to succeed like you've succeeded. Mm. And when you do so, when you seek first the kingdom of God, the opinion of others no longer greatly matters. Mm. Always remember, dogs only bark at moving cars. This is such a good reminder, and it makes me think of this phrase that if you live by people's praise, you will die by their criticism. So I love this. I love this encouragement. To Can we call that a genism? Yeah, That's sure. very good. We'll I like a that a lot. Say, Jen, gen- say it again, please. <laughs> it, this is not an original Jen thought. I heard it somewhere else. But if you, if you live for the praise of others, you will die by their criticism. That's a great phrase. That is so true. And if you need their praise so much that that will only keep your life meaningful, then when they start criticizing you, you'll wither and die. It is so true. Yeah. Well, let's keep that as a reminder today, Jen, as we move forward in life that dogs only bark at moving cars, uh, that we don't need to be critical people, Mm -hmm. especially with others around us who are really trying to make something of their lives. If we see people moving forward, especially those who didn't have much or are trying to succeed, let's encourage them. Let's be their cheerleaders. Let's be on the sidelines going, you go for it, succeed, even be better than I. Let's be like John the Baptist in John 3.30 as he watched his disciples going to follow Jesus. Jesus, he must increase, 
I must decrease. Hmm. When you serve others, you have found the reason for your existence. Wow, this is so good. Thank you so much, David. Yeah, and thank you listeners for listening today. If you like these daily Moments of Hope, go to momentsofhopechurch.org, subscribe. They're free of charge. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. from my heart to yours to start your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from a series called Heartbeats from our online worship service. And you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's weekly Hopecast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for those battling COVID-19. 